you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the League Podcast works out with Ed Hockley. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hensis, and I am joined by a room full of heroes, Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Mark See, is not here. We're Ma- on a Sessler-less streak now. Yeah, that is, that's too, he is not the Cal Ripken of the podcast or the <laughs> London Fletcher, if I were to use an NFL player which would make more sense mark has some family matters he's tending to but we're gonna make it through this yeah i mean we're we're surviving it's raining here in los angeles what i was is this wet stuff i was uh <laughs> it's the first time since you got here Wes, right. right i've never seen yeah. i went to get food before we came in and i just you know walked across to the huddle and there were people huddling underneath you know the outdoors waiting to go across and they noticed they didn't have a jacket on or an umbrella and they they acted like i had just like traipsed through like fallujah or something during the war <laughs> like, it's uh, like ridiculous they treat rain out here when i was in georgia like if it would snow yeah. it was like major news people would freak out nobody could drive that's how people in la treat rain people here are very weak when it comes to w- weather like that just try to drive in these conditions people <laughs> act as if it's you know 45 inches of a blizzard have come down upon the grounds. They don't know how to react to it at all. Have you seen a thunderstorm out here yet? Uh, yes, maybe one in three years. Wow. It doesn't happen a lot. It's generally nice here, which is why it's not bad to live here. Um, <laughs> all right, fellas. We have a big show today, Wednesday show. Uh, we're going to do. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the biggest disappointments, player disappointments this season. Uh, Greg and I got a chance to chat with Brian Hartline, the Miami Dolphins wide receiver, in studio. We'll we'll give you that. Uh, we're going to introduce a new series, our stick a fork series. We'll get in that. Uh, but let's start as we usually do with K. Rich behind the glass. The news. Bonkers sacks. Bonkers. What's up, Carriage? How you doing, boys? Well, I feel like I want you getting more excited when your theme music comes in, like a wrestler coming into the ring. Like <laughs> I don't know. I thought Carriage was a little saucy there with her response, there, her intro today. Yeah, I'm excited. You guys don't see this smile on my face. Big show today. 
All right, so what's what's going on? What's in the news? All right, big news day. Despite the Texans' recent quarterback roles, Matt Schaub will remain the starter and will be behind the center on Sunday against the Rams. Gary Kubiak's paid him $29 million in the front office over the last two years. The last thing they want to do is bench him right now if, you know, at all possible. He said it was a very tough decision, so he thought about it up until Wednesday. He was still thinking about it Tuesday, and that just says, you know, if there's another bad interception early against the Rams, I think we see T.J. Yates, and then I think we see him as a starter. We talked about his uh, poor play going back to the end of last year, the Patriots game, and it's either a loss of confidence or a loss of arm strength. I saw a stat this week that was just incredible. On play-action passes, his average attempt is 3.8 yards. Jeez, and that—I mean—that's their—that's the foundation of everything they do, right? And his—I believe previously his average attempt was ten yards on play-action passes. That's an incredible change, and it just—it has to point to some kind of loss of confidence that he can't put a ball in a tight window, or that he—he he, he can't get the ball down the field. And I think this Gary Kubiak quote uh, during his news conference today spoke volumes. It was a tough decision, real tough. But I feel like it was the best thing for our football team this weekend. You know, I don't. That's a little strange to me. To you don't have to tell the media everything. He could have just said that Schaub's still our guy. We believe in him. Instead, he hemmed and hawed about starting the seventh round pick, who stinks. Like I, I was a little surprised. If there truly is a confidence <laughs> problem, that's not a that's not a booster. He was like, well, I really wanted to start Schaub. He's been great for us, but have you guys watched him lately? That guy is rough. <laughs> and what is the, And by the way, what is the situation that's going on? It's still a little unclear to me. I was upstairs. Greg and Wes, you were downstairs. Uh, there was a report last night that there were irate fans coming to the Matt Schaub home, but now Schaub has spoke out, and maybe it's not quite how it was originally uh, told, the, the story. You know, Matt Schaub says there have been people going by his house and taking pictures. Somehow his address got out, I think, through the local paper there. And they called the head of security. And I think that story, whether it was Texan security and eventually NFL security, that story eventually mushroomed to this radio report that, that got some facts off. I guess people weren't shouting obscenities at him. That's what Matt Schaub says. So it kind of set off everyone into their moralizing like how can fans do this it's like thanks we know fans shouldn't go talk to it's like so, everyone's making the brave stand <laughs> against fans being total jerks like wow great job by everyone so you're saying like wally and the Birdman in the morning were wrong in their report last night it sounds like it but to be honest the story that it's confusing because the nfl head of security talked about it on the record uh to ian rapaport and you know they've looked into it so it was an issue and I think something got confused along the way. But uh, I think, if nothing else, it's going to help uh, Schaub get some fans in Houston. I think they'll support him this Sunday. I think they'll show that, hey, we're behind this guy, at least initially, and give him a big cheer. <laughs> Until the fifth pick six. Hey, what <laughs> else is in the news, K. Rich? All right, next up, I kind of want to whisper this one. Daniel Snyder defends Redskins' name in a letter to season ticket holders. I feel like this can go... Many different ways. Okay, yeah. Well, the one thing I will say on this, I did write the post on the Around the League blog this morning. Snyder, who in the past has been very, uh, he's been filled with vitriol on the issue. Uh, back in May, USA Today asked him uh, if if they would ever change the name, and his response uh, was never. You can use all caps on that. This time he wrote a letter that he sent to all season ticket holders in which he was very 
reserved. He was very nostalgic about going to the games with his father and how much the the team name means to the city. You know, it's basically taking a new PR tact. Now, this would be the time where I would throw it to Chris Wessling, but I don't think Wes is even remotely capable of providing a response that won't end with him working for you know the lacrosse national lacrosse league i have many strong feelings on this issue but i don't want to get my twitter in- inbox flooded with responses so i'll pipe down yeah why don't we greg should we just move on a shadowy league figure is entering yeah he's the room. actually coming into the room he has very long fingernails what else is in the news k rich all right we're warming up some leftovers on this one julio jones expected to be out for the season but falcons will not trade their tight end tony g Tony, Tony G. G. Wow. You guys like that, right? Uh, yeah. a little bit of swag, a little bit. It does. The, the man fa- doesn't need it. The guy is out of control. Definitely Wes. Not. The Falcons are done. And not only are they done, they missed their Super Bowl window. They are now a rebuilder, not a contender. Look at their roster right now with Julio out for the year, Roddy White hobbled, Steven Jackson injured, Sean Weatherspin injured, Croy Bierman out. This is a four-win roster. Whoa. Could it have fallen apart? That that I know. Obviously, Jones is offensive a stud, line's but. a wreck. Wide receiver core is a wreck. Running back core awful. Defense awful. This team is not good. <laughs> Are you saying I as hear a Jets you. fan, I can't take too much from? Monday I'm night? saying Julio Jones was the best player on that team and one of the 20 best players in the NFL. The NFL is all about double teams, and when you take away the only guy on your offense who who demands double teams it changes everything this would be like the lions losing calvin johnson i hear you but they've lost four games at the last second if they win three of those they're four and one and we're and we're not saying that their season's done and a lot of it just comes down to luck i disagree about their window being closed for good because their window to me is about matt ryan and the front office and julio jones and roddy white's still going to be around that that was really all that made the Falcons special to begin with. I don't think their window's closed for good, but I think Dimitrov is going to have to pull off some magic next year in the form of draft picks and free agent signings or trades to get this roster back where it needs to be. One one thing with Gonzalez also, I feel like there's a slight disconnect because you see in all the interviews the only reason he came back was to win a Super Bowl. Now he's saying, you know, he he came out and said that he loves Atlanta. He doesn't want to go anywhere. Wouldn't it make sense if all he wants to do is win a Super Bowl? If let's, I think the deadlines, trade deadlines, maybe in three weeks or so. If the if the if if the Falcons could send him to a contender and get back a third round pick, why? Who says no? And why should you say no? Why wouldn't Tony want to go to a Super Bowl team and the Falcons in a lost season get back a good draft pick? He doesn't want to go learn a new system in the middle of the season, play with another quarterback who isn't going to throw to him when he's got two defenders on him. I mean, this move this, your family. I mean, right. this, people forget their people. Well, he he's, never moved his family. He's but. playing well right now because defenses are sending two guys to Julio Jones on every play. He didn't do anything the first three games. The next two games, the Patriots and the Jets stuck two guys on Julio Jones, and, and Gonzalez was more open. Mike Smith, the Falcons have no interest in trading him anyways because he's the best player on their offense right now other than Matt Ryan, and they're still trying to win games. It's not like they're just going to wave the, wave, wave the white flag sorry, and, and give up on the season. I don't think anybody is giving up a third-round pick for this iteration of Tony Gonzalez. No, I agree. Whatever, guys. Hey, what else is in the news? Anything else, K-Rich? Yeah, we do have more. <laughs> the players of the week were announced. And as a diehard Eagles fan, as all of our listeners know, <laughs> I am very pleased to announce that Deshaun Jackson was named Player of the Week in the NFC. Well. And also, Dan, this is for you. Oh. The quarterback 
for the New York Jets. Geno Smith, who looks ah. like a real quarterback in the NFL. Yes, he did. One player of the week yes, he in the did. AFC. Yes, he did. And that's the only reason why we're doing this player of the week thing is just to let Dan enjoy the aroma <laughs> of Geno Smith. Well, I want to say this. Like, Greg, in his uh, What We're Not Overreacting To uh, piece <laughs> on Tuesday, kind of painted me as – you know, the the face of the, the buffoonish fan that <laughs> goes up and down every week. But you know what? I don't profess myself to be some expert. I am a Jet fan that goes up and down, and I do feel that way. It's been a roller coaster uh, with Geno Smith. And I will say this. First of all, he played a great game. 16 of 20, 199 yards, three touchdowns, some really good passes. And especially that last drive after the defense gave away a 13-point lead, He made four nice passes to get them into field goal range. I mean, this is a guy that he's really hard to figure out, but he's made this season for Jets fans fun. He's he's reinstilled hope for the franchise, and now I'm not saying hope like a Super Bowl run hope, but a hope that we're not going to be a laughing stock, that we actually could be fighting for a playoff spot in December. That's way more than I could have asked for. I'm excited! Do you want a reason to be even more excited? Yeah! On deep throws, throws of 15 or more yards, Geno Smith leads the NFL in completion percentage and is tied for the NFL lead in completions. Mm. That, yes, thank you, Carrot. He, he's got a great arm, and he's great in the two-minute drill. You almost you saw it at the end of the game, and you think, well, they should do that a little more. That's yeah. what they did at West Virginia. And uh, I'm just excited to see you happy only one <laughs> only one week after you broke out the M word, Matt Matt Sims. I think you were talking about it was literally it was literally one week ago that you said I don't know what they're going to do the rest of the season. I don't know if you can keep him out there as the starter. It's like well, you, know, speaks, you were talking about wait benching. A second. That speaks to my point, which was <laughs> this guy's been a roller coaster. Before Monday, his previous game was in Tennessee. He was a train wreck. He, he turned the ball over four times. He could not hit the broadside of a barn. He was terrible. And now, you know, six, uh, eight days later, the guy is playing like a pro bowler. I can't figure it out, but I'm enjoying it while it's lasting. And, uh, you know, you can't take this sunshine away from me. One quick Greg. point on Deshaun Jackson before we move away. I'm doing for our Lenovo position ranks. Oh, look at that. Wow. <laughs> they, they just got a free plug. I mean, the podcast, we should chill. We should charge for that. <laughs> I am doing wide receivers this week, and one of the things that's no evident, and Deshaun Jackson's the perfect example, how hard it is to evaluate one receiver in a system where he maybe the system takes away from what he does best, whereas another system might accentuate what he does best. Deshaun Jackson's playing better this year because of Chip Kelly's offense. And, you know, you have guys like Dwayne Bowe who isn't playing well at all because Alex Smith refuses to throw downfield and outside the numbers. And And he's he's slow. And maybe he's slower this year, too. You have Steve Smith, who is coming off a bad game, but looks to me like the same Steve Smith as last year. But Cam Newton isn't throwing accurately. Mike Shula's offense is hurting him. It's hard to evaluate wide receivers without including the system that they're in. What does this have to do with the Jets? Oh, Deshaun. Deshaun Jackson. I got you. Yeah. Way to pay attention, Greg. <laughs> no, I'm saying I thought it was coming back to the Jets. No, no, no. That was a. I thought you were going to bring it back to Jeremy Curley or all the superstars, <laughs> Clyde Gates, that Geno Smith is somehow winning. There's with. nothing to say about Clyde Gates. Uh, by the way, and I've been very hard on Stephen Hill. He had two nice catches on that last drive. So good job, Stephen Hill. Good job by you. Uh, anything else, K. Rich? That is all. Okay. All right. Let's move on. I don't know if I said it in the intro, but we do want to talk about Thursday night football a little bit. Uh, we have the New York Giants who. 
as everyone that listens to the show knows, I have picked five weeks in a row to win. I am 0-5, which is probably keeping me out of first place, basically, the Giants alone. Um, they are going to the Chicago Bears to, I guess, keep their season alive is maybe an overstatement, but at least get some respect. Is are, Do we have any reason to think that the Giants are going to be competitive in prime time on Thursday? I have no reason to think that. I bel- Did I see a stat this week that they are the first team in NFL history to allow 31 points in five straight games or the first five games of the season? That's a little surprising, actually. I think it was since the Chicago Cardinals. Something oh, wow. like that. But, yes, they've been consistent. A franchise that hasn't existed in 60-something years. <laughs> it's we, never a good sign. <laughs> we talk about the NFL like it's so unpredictable week to week, but the Giants have been one of the most consistent teams in the league. I mean, they've done <laughs> the same thing every week. The, the way that they implode in the late third quarter and fourth quarter each week is unbelievable. Yeah, I don't. I can't imagine. And now they don't have David Wilson. I don't know how much of a big loss that is, but – you know, it's a big loss. Whenever you see – it is actually a big loss because especially when you see headlines like I saw on Twitter yesterday, Brandon Jacobs ready for a much bigger role. It's it's almost <laughs> – it's amazing to think – Are they talking about his midsection? <laughs> it's amazing to think <laughs> what is happening here. We are, we are witnessing a complete dumpster fire for the Giants. And, and I still – I'm going to finally pick against them this week, and I plan to do it a lot the rest of the season, but it's always subject to change, of course. But uh, – <laughs> You know, it's. It, I don't know. I'm just amazed by it. I never saw this coming. This this wipeout of a season. What does this season say about Jerry Reese and Thomas Dimitrov, who are considered two of the best general managers in football? They now have two of the worst rosters in football. I think the Giants much more so because they, they've been outscored by a hundred points this season. The, the Falcons have gotten some bad breaks and a ton of injuries. The Giants are pretty much. I mean, they've had injuries on the offensive line, but I don't think they've been decimated as a team. So I think it says a lot more about Reese because that defense, everything about the team is awful, right? I agree, but, I mean, I I think Jerry Reese is a good general manager. I think Dimitrov is a good general manager. I'm just wondering, I don't think one season, one offseason doesn't say these guys can't do it anymore. We're all picking the Bears, I, it sounds like? Sure. Yeah, okay. of course. I mean, the the Giants can't complete routine plays. You know, Eli Manning has had three intentional groundings last week. I mean, Eli Manning was part was a big part of the problem last week. He's just throwing balls up there. I think he's getting more aggressive. He's starting to have that Philip Rivers syndrome where where he sees the rushers coming before they're even there. I mean, he is a big part of the problem. And I guess the one other one question I have is let's say this ends in a complete flame out 2 and 14, 3 and 13. Who's held accountable? Is it just going to be a situation where the coordinators get wiped out? Or do you have GM unrest? Do you have coach unrest? Eli, I assume, is safe. But, you know, what I, ha- what, what would come next? I was operating under the assumption that this was Coughlin's last year, but I guess. I think Coughlin walks away after this. It, and I, they'll never fire him. So even if he didn't want to walk away, that's how it will be painted publicly. But if this doesn't turn around, I think he walks away and they get a new coach. Okay, let's move on. Um, we had a post on the Around the League blog yesterday. I wrote it, so I'm very proud of it. But uh, it was the 10 biggest dis- disappointments uh, in the season's first quarter. Um, I will just quickly run down my list. And then I was just curious, uh, Wes and Greg, your thoughts on it. Maybe someone that's not on the list that should have been or someone who didn't deserve to be here. Uh, I have 
David Wilson of the Giants, Andy Dalton of the Bengals, C.J. Spiller of the Bills, J.P.P. of the Giants, Tavon Austin of the Rams, Mo Claiborne of the Cowboys, Cam Newton of the Panthers, Cortland Finnegan of the Rams, London Fletcher of the Redskins, and Eric Fisher, the number one pick of the Kansas City Chiefs. Thoughts? I think that's a great list. Uh, you helped me make it. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad JPP was on there. I mean, he's he's been right up there. I saw Brent Selleck blocking JPP about 20 yards down the field last week. I'm thinking, is this guy, is he even Jeez. trying? Well, as, and as I wrote in the post, beware of a professional athlete coming off back surgery because you never know what that means. And usually it really messes with their whole system and their whole world. It and it has to be this situation here. It doesn't fill me with hope that Gronkowski will make a big impact right oh. away. Wait, so you helped with the list? I didn't know that. No teamwork is supposed to be allowed <laughs> around the league. This was a week ago. I forgot about it. Yeah, I asked Wes. <laughs> I was looking for a few defensive players, and he brought up, as an example, London Fletcher, who's actually, it's funny, uh, pro football focus, who you know a lot of people put a lot of stock into their ra- ratings. He's ranked 49th out of 50, 3-4 inside linebackers. Cortland Finnegan is ranked the worst cornerback in the league right now. Now he's injured. But, I mean, these are guys that have been known as performers and they've just dropped off the table. You know, you could make this top ten list solely running backs. And this kind of goes into the fantasy situation, too. You've got Maurice Jones-Drew, Ray Rice, Trent Richardson, David Wilson, Chris Johnson, Doug Martin, all averaging less than three and a half yards per carry. You've got Stephen Ridley in a timeshare, averaging less than four yards per carry. C.J. Spiller, they're not using him the way Chan Gailey did, and he's not playing as well. And then you've got the Saints running backs who aren't running for anything right now. And I guess the one I would concentrate on is Trent Richardson, who you've had some fun at his his expense. Uh, My Twitter page has had a lot of fun at his expense. (laughs) And I I went back, and I, I didn't watch all of his week three and four carries but I watched everything he did against the Seahawks and we talked about how they brought him in to run power they can't do that every time they use a fullback in front of him I think his average was under a yard per carry when they spread the field he averaged almost five yards per carry Hmm. they can't run power behind that offensive line right now because there's no holes well they were facing Brandon Meebane and Red Bryant, very good defense. He did, I will say, he had a pretty signature run at the end of that he game did. to kind of put the game away, broke some tackles. It was a third and six, something like that. So I thought, well, maybe there's something to build off. Then again, right after that, I think he had three straight one-yard runs or something. Right. I think they're going to have to rethink. I know they want to play defense and power running. They might have to rethink that, especially with their best player being a quarterback. What does it say about the league um, that all these top running backs are struggling. I would almost think, just from a common sense perspective, if this is now a passing league, as they say, and guys are throwing the ball over the field, that would create an easier task for these high-level running backs, but instead it's the opposite. I, there's got to be something tying this together. I don't know what it is. I wish I was smart, en- I wish I was smart enough to tell you. I, I lean on I the think mailman we've seen a stuff. lot of bad offensive line play this year. You're no longer the Cliff Clavin of this group. <laughs> don't say that. That's, that's cruel. I, I don't want to do wild speculation on something I'm ignorant. I have a stat for you. Thirty At this point last year, 38 100-yard games from running backs. This year, 18 100-yard wow. games. So, I mean, that that's pretty dramatic. Well, I think um, I do have a theory. All right. Wow. It, it, it only took you about 36 seconds. I like it. We talked about um, – I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, about all of the great young defensive tackles in the NFL right now. You, you've got a lot of ferocious front sevens. 
and maybe teams are devoting more draft picks to their front sevens than they are to their safeties and cornerbacks. Well, here's Ooh. another thing. Passing's easier than running. It always has been. It always will be. I mean, that's why people talk about you got to run the ball. But it's it's at no point in NFL history has running the ball ever been more effective than passing the ball on a per-play basis. It's always easier. And now that you can spread the field and really get horizontal and the rules all favor the offense, it's just even more dramatic. Here's another stab at a theory. <laughs> so everybody spends their offseason working on the pass because they know it's a pass-heavy league now, and nobody really puts as much time into running plays and getting the running game orchestrated, moving we get, well. We've got to get Chris B. Brown on this. Yes, we do. Uh, Greg, I didn't hear yours. What was your uh, disappointment? I'm going to go with Colin Kaepernick because – I don't necessarily think he's played the worst of everyone I could come up with, but personally, after what I was thinking his season was going to be like, after week one of the season, to think four weeks later, I'm kind of wondering, are the 49ers going to be able to throw the ball at all this year? This is a guy we talked about with unlimited ceiling, and the reality is is he has not thrown the ball well for a month. And that it's a, it's a team, it's a function of the whole team, but he hasn't either. He's missed throws. It's almost like... He wasn't ready to, to really run that off. And I'm surprised. I'm, I'm more surprised and disappointed about him than any of the other young guys. The disappointment to me with him is that they've turned him into Alex Smith. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's the whole thing. The whole passing game, I guess I could throw into this mix, Greg Roman and just the whole 49ers passing attack. They've decided he's not ready to be what he was at the end of last year with with the way the surrounding town is now. You know, what's funny also is that Sunday night game, which was obviously an easy win for the Niners against the Texans, but before his garbage time touchdown pass to Vernon Davis, he had thrown for about 60 yards in three and a half quarters. That Even Alex Smith was thrown for 120. You know what I'm saying? This is that's pretty weird. Another stat from our research department. <laughs> He only completed six passes in that game. That's the most for a winning quarterback that stayed in the whole game since. Let's try to guess. I bet you can guess it. Alex Smith. Tim Tebow. Oh. Tim yeah, Tebow. I, with, I think he had two completions in the uh, win, that win over the Chiefs that year. But that's that's the kind of company their offense and passing attack is keeping. Wow. 80 yards passing in a game, stuff like that. All right, we have a special guest in the studio. He is the wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, new contract and putting up his best numbers ever. Wide receiver Brian Hartline. What's up, guys? Whoa. Introducing Miami Dolphins' very own Brian Hartline. That wow. is what you get when you come into our podcast. Look at that beating heart. Do you hear that beating heart? I don't heart even again? get the. K. Rich, what's with the beating heart? Heartline, beating heart. Oh. Heartline. Did you also hear the dolphins in the background? Absolutely. It felt a like I was watching Ace Ventura. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't even know that was coming. The dolphin sounded like a five year old boy we hired. <laughs> it somewhere. was, actually. That's how the NFL rolls. That's Yeah, oh, that's kind of a dangerous area. Yeah. What's up, Brian? Hey, man. He's having a great time out in L.A. You were here early. Yeah. First time out, too. 5.30 in the morning, yep. your week off. Yeah. Why, man, why the, things we, the things we do for the NFL, man. Well, you were on NFL AM. That's why yeah. you were It's not 5.30 in the morning no, for all our, all our listeners here now. How, how did that go for you? It was awesome. It was a blast. Uh, we had fun, TD. Uh, we were doing some uh, shoot-around with uh, um, Candice, and uh, 
We had a blast. I think I still won. We can go back and check the tapes. I think I'm pretty sure we still won. The score tracker wasn't right, but <laughs> that we'll, was, we'll be a gentleman about it. That was it. Was quite a battle. Uh, I believe Candace went triple digits. Candace which is Parker, tough. she did not. She yes. went 99. I oh, went she 90. Went Oh wow! I thought I thought so. Maybe I was wrong. Greg, I'm going to first name basis with Candace Parker. That's why. <laughs> I guess so. We are very close friends. All right, Brian. So, first thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, the Dolphins started out three and zero. Yep. Now you're three and two. We have right. Dolphins fans in the office, including uh, our colleague Handsome Hank, who I believe you spoke to uh, with the Dave Damashek football program. Yep. Is it is it fair to start being nervous if you're a Dolphins fan that this is same old Dolphins? Oh, that's expected. I think that uh, you know, we've had we've had a rough uh, decade or so. I think of, of Dolphins football, and that's understandable. Uh, we are realistic on where the past has been, uh, but we're also realistic. This is a whole new team, uh, even from last year. Uh, we probably have every bit of probably sixty percent of our teams probably new, and uh, um, you know we're embracing that. This is a whole new whole new era, whole new coaching staff. Uh, we're going about things in a different way, and. Uh, uh, we did give some games away. Uh, we're still trying to find our identity, I think, a little bit. Uh, we're trying to get the running game going. And really, I'm just speaking offensively. Uh, you know, there's some things that uh, we want to get better at. There's things that we're doing well that we want to continue to do better at. But uh, it's good that the week six for us was our bye because this gives you a ch- chance to do a little self-evaluation and really get ready to hung- hunger down for the next uh, 11 games. So it can be a blessing in disguise. Feels I- like every game is close with the Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's... Yes, it is, and I, and I hope we can get out of that that uh, that routine. Uh, you know, we're proud of that, though. We're going to make every game come down to the fourth quarter. We're going to pride ourselves on that, and we're going to finish games better than we have in the past. Uh, so, of late, I should say. And uh, uh, but uh, we take care of the football. We want number one, take care of our quarterback. Number two, and uh, we're a hard team to beat. One thing I was curious about, you know, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, RG three. These are all quarterbacks that. They came into the league last year. They're seen as the new guard, the future. Your quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, while there are people that are big defenders, including my colleague Greg, who is I'm basically a, fan. a fanboy almost. Let's be fair, Greg. I just said Ryan from Tannehill. the beginning thought, thought he was right there with those other guys. How come Tannehill doesn't get mentioned with those guys when those conversations happen? People have a, fa- a fascination or a fixation with uh, instant gratification, and that's what we've grown to be accustomed to. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of offenses – and I've, I'm very passionate about how I feel about certain things, but this is one of them. I think that you know people see instant change or or the read option or you know things that are, are quick fixes that uh, help people win football games, and uh, and they they come inebriated by it. They love them. They think they're the the, the god the savior. And and people need to understand that everything happens for a reason, and that if these players that God forbid they, they they do an excellent job. If they stay at the pace they're at where they were their rookie year, they will break every record known to man. So <laughs> right. that's not going to happen. I mean, there's guys that take different paths. So, you know, you you listed off a handful of guys. You probably could pick two or three that more than likely will be, begin to decline throughout their career. And there will be some you did not mention that are become to incline. Uh, whether it be like, and unfortunately, the guy's getting hurt. You see a Brian Hoyer trying to emerge, and then he got hurt. Or you see, you know, your Geno Smiths. You see your EJ Man. So you have guys that are there that aren't, you know, quote unquote name guys yet. They're still earning their right, but that's how they become so good. Guys that come so easy to them, sometimes, I'm not saying always, sometimes, then you start to decline uh, around them. So 
uh, around them and themselves. So, and I don't think Ryan's one of those guys. I can't wait to see what Ryan is uh, at the end of this year, let alone in two or three years. And uh, uh, you know, he's a great guy. He works hard. and He wants to be great. So, and anytime you got that kind of combination, uh, it can be uh, it can be pretty uh, encouraging. Well, it does seem like he's improving this year. What do you see different out of him and the offense in general now in year two under Mike Sherman? You know, he's just he's able to be more of himself because as a rookie, you get so you're worried about stepping on toes. You get so worried about, uh, you know, you really want to voice your opinion, but you don't have that foundation yet. And he understood that. Uh, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I'm just saying that uh, he didn't feel as comfortable, I think, you know, telling an eight-year vet to, you know, to get his, his stuff together, you know, kind of thing. So, or a lineman or whatnot. So he was really just worried about his game. At this point, he's got such a handle, I think, on the offense and what we're trying to accomplish, and really he's had it since college too, that he's able to reach out and, and really try to help other people, you know, help their craft or what he kind of wants from people. And, hey, I know we have a 12-yard hook, but if we have this, you know, expect the ball here. So it's growing. It takes time. And, uh, and again, he can be himself. And at times people get out of line, he's able to kind of chew people out. And, that, and that's needed uh, if you want to have success in this league. Last thing for you. How has fantasy football and Twitter mm-hmm. changed your relationship with fans? It stresses the relationship. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, you know what? And it's so, it's so humbling, too, because uh, we, we bring up, oh, the fans think, oh, it's the same old Dolphins, right? So we had a couple losses. I get immediately, I'm like, oh, well, I'm off social media for about a week or two. Uh, right. That's my initial thought. Uh, let alone fantasy football. So, but then again, and then I got on Twitter and I was amazed and astonished and really, uh, you know, humbled by how great the Dolphins fans have been lately. You still always have your naysayers. You still always see them, which is fine. But the amount of support we have from the Dolphins fans, either throughout the country, the world, especially in South Florida, has exponentially grown. So, you know, credit to them. They're doing a great job. They're filling our stadium. They're getting loud. And we love that. We, we you know, it helps us. Uh, it juices us up. And uh, uh, but yeah, it does stress the relationship. <laughs> There's times where I win games, and I'm like, gosh, I had what? Uh, I probably shouldn't get on social <laughs> media. And we just won the game. I'm like, gosh. So, you know, I understand it. It gives them uh, purpose. It makes every game so enjoyable. Even when you're losing, it's like, oh, we're losing. Well, hopefully, you know, they're gonna throw for 400 yards, and my guys gonna get some touchdowns, and it makes it worthwhile. So it's changing the NFL, but it does put an added stress from the player or athlete to fan relationship all right brian thanks i know you're very busy you're going through the culver city car wash uh good luck the rest of the season stay healthy and go to appreciate Albert. it thanks, brian, thanks guys all right all right so we have a new segment it is the it's a kind of a new old segment the stick a fork in them series which we ran last year on around the league that was a greg rosenthal uh invention where we <laughs> Greg, why don't you explain what is the stick of fork in them series? Well, we're it's just when we decide that a team has no chance to make the playoffs that we're saying their season is over, they're playing for next year. It's obviously not mathematically eliminated, but we try to be careful. We're not we're not going to get any wrong this year. It's supposed to be a hundred percent success rate. We famously. Uh, World famously got the Redskins wrong last year, but no other, one's going to remember that. You don't have to tell people about listen, this. Society needs to know, but the 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 point of the matter is that's it. That was kind of like we were getting our feet wet. Now we will roll forward from here until eternity. Never get one wrong. And so let's start with our first entry to the Stick of Fork series, 2013. Okay, Rich. Here lies the 2013 Jacksonville Jaguars, who passed away peacefully on October 6th 
after an extended trip to the Gabbard Zone. In lieu of flowers, the family suggests memorial contributions be made to the Gus Bradley Self-Esteem Fund. Guys. This is the... uh, I don't know why I know this. This is the first team since the 1986 Giants to lose all five of their first five games by at least ten points. (laughs) That's a lot. They They have never been in a game this year. If you love random... Probably useless stats that will not impress your girlfriend. This has been the podcast for you today. Hey, which is why I do not have a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> what what can you say about the Jaguars? Listen, they have. We're not exactly going out on a limb here. Yeah, this obviously they're going to get tougher as the as the year goes along. We, frankly, we should have stuck a fork in them in week three, but we forgot to start this until now, so that explains <laughs> why uh, they don't have a quarterback. They don't have many playmakers they they have some parts on defense but really not much there either i don't think what parts do they have i, I don't know just trying to give them some i'm credit. trying to give them something <laughs> i i mean they ha- they used to have uh, a nice set of bookend tackles but now eugene monroe's in baltimore and luke jokel's on ir i this is potentially one of the worst teams in football history the only reason for me to follow this team the rest of the year is to see if Maurice Jones-Drew and Paul Puzzlesny and Mercedes Lewis and even Uche Nwaneri get traded. <laughs> Bless you. David, David Caldwell has said he's not actively shopping these guys, which is code for if you call me, you can have him for the right price because I want draft picks. What What's good about the Jaguars? I mean, looking to next year, what can they feel like this is something, even if it's small, to build on. Uh, I can only think of one thing. Justin Blackman and Cecil Shorts are two good receivers. That's something. Jonathan Cyprian might be okay John Cyprian might be okay. Might be pretty good. (laughs) I would say the one maybe good thing is in seven years when we have the Shad Khan of football life, he (laughs) could point to this season as the year it all changed. Seven years for a football Well, they'll have four rings by that time. They're going to turn it around in three years with only two good players on their team? I have a Cessler. They oh, will okay. be four-time Super Bowl champions in seven years. That's all you had to and say? And this will be seen as the rock-bottom moment where, you know, you go, let's let's say they win one game. I would think they'll probably win one, but at this rate, who knows? And it's just a matter of they need to get out of this Gabbard zone for good, and maybe they get a good – if they get Teddy Bridgewater or another quarterback that turns out to be really good. We've seen it a million times. We saw it with the Colts. Things can turn around quickly. We saw it with the Lions. But that Lions team wasn't nearly as bad as this Jaguars team, I think, you know, projects to be because it's rare to have a team that's the worst in the league on offense and might just be the worst in the league on defense. To do to match those two up together just creates a lot of excitement in Jacksonville. The Lions <laughs> have back to back number one overall draft picks and hit on two very valuable players. You don't have a Indomitian Sioux come out every year at number one overall. And we can't really get into too much in the way of details when it comes to Las Vegas, but Vegas doesn't have a lot of faith that the Jaguars will get out of the get off the schneid against the Denver Broncos on Sunday. What is this Vegas you speak of? I don't so know. So do we think do we think they win what's your win total for them now? It was probably around three or four to start the year, two or three, I don't remember. I had them at three personally. I think they'll squeeze out one but that could be generous. I'm going zero. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. 
Yeah. Look, I, you don't deserve for us to guess that you're going to have a win when you de- when you say every week that Blaine Gabbert's our quarterback. Well, I assume this you're not will even be, trying. Josh Freeman's out there. You don't want him. You're punting the season. We see through that. I don't want to give you a win. My instinct is to say two, because just almost every team falls into two wins. But this is one of those uniquely awful teams that I think so. it smells like a one in fifteen. Team. They'll find a way to beat Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Titans. Right. Or something will happen. All you need to do is have one Chad Henney turn back the clock game, and you got your victory. But they they turn seem... back the clock to when 2012, I guess. You know he had he had he had his moments in Miami. Sorry, Jaguars, it's over for you. We've made the decision. Uh, you might as well not even show up anymore <laughs> because your season's oh, over. Oh, we forgot one other asset. They have a third round punter on their team. He's a good one, too. Yes, He's third, very good. They passed up Russell Wilson for him. <laughs> that was not smart. Uh, we'll, next week, we'll, we'll add another team uh, to the Stick of Fork in them series. You don't want it to be your team, so you better win this weekend. And that is it for the podcast today. Uh, we'll be back Friday. We'll talk about uh, the Thursday night football game. We'll... Look forward to the rest of the week six action. Little I, Daniel Jeremiah action on Friday. Right. DJ, gonna, yeah, sticks. We move the sticks. Will be here. I will not be here. I will uh, be flying back to New York. I have some family business myself. Uh, I leave it in your capable hands, fellas. He has more football knowledge than me. Than all of us. He actually Combined. has more. He might even have me beat in say by the Bell knowledge, which that's wow. what I'm really upset about. So missing. He's, he's a Renaissance man. He is. Thanks to Brian Hartline for coming into the studio. Uh, this is Dan Hansa signing off for the mailman, the boss, K. Rich behind the glass, and of course, Lyle the intern. Until Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.